Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on my favorite website of all time, X. You know, X.com. We're live on there. X going to give it to you? X going to give it to you. Yeah, DMX is on website. We're streaming directly there for some reason that's smart we're all, <laughs> it's, yeah we're gonna corner the market on that i think yeah we are also coming to you later on spotify or itunes or apple or whatever you want to call it uh basically every major platform this is kind of the last time i'll say it because i think it's coming away tomorrow but if you are subscribed on stitcher stop subscribing on stitcher because the platform is going away it's not going to exist anymore um, so please, subscribe other places. We're available literally everywhere. Uh, one thing that is not available, though, is Justin, who has not been here <laughs> for today's show. He is on a mountain somewhere. Is that what's going on? Or just, he, I, he was said upstate, and I assumed mountains. Oh, yeah, sure. He's uh, he's upstate, which we all know is jail. Uh, he was sent to jail. <laughs> he went to jail? Yeah. What did he do, do you think? Oh, he's probably filming a documentary about jail. Oh, okay. Not like he's in jail, like he's filming a documentary about jail. Yeah, yeah. Or do you think he's doing like an undercover boss situation, except Ooh. got arrested? Yeah, let's see. Can't wait for the footage. Oh, my God. It's going to be so good. You know what else is going to be so good is tonight's show, because we have some great guests for you yeah. this evening. Why don't we bring in our first guest? She is the creator of Skeletor. Yeah. Decomposer, which is out right now from Penguin Workshop. Ladies and gentlemen, Emily Etlinger. Woo-hoo. Emily, welcome. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for talking about this great book. This, as I mentioned, came out August 8th, right? So yes. it's been out for a little bit. It's a, a lovely, would you say all ages book? Is that how it's aimed? Yeah. Or um, I'd only? say for officially ages six to nine but i'm told by my parents that people much older can really enjoy it okay cool um well i am an older person uh spoiler (laughs) and i enjoyed it it is about a skeleton that just desperately wants to play music uh with humans is advised by a bat i found it absolutely delightful yeah um this is your first graphic novel right so is this something that has been churning around to the back of your mind for a while? Is it something that just came together very quickly? What was the process that led to Skeletor? Uh, I'd say it's been around since 2019, mm-hmm. so not that long. Um, I drew a skeleton for Inktober playing a fiddle. And <laughs> then I started playing around with the idea of like, oh, it'd be funny if there's a skeleton who... Uh, plays music and doesn't understand why she keeps like scaring townspeople away and it's because she's a skeleton but she thinks it's because she's like bad at playing music um and then spoiler for the book then i thought oh it'd be really funny if she thought it was because she was scary and a skeleton and that's why they were running away 
but it's actually because she kind of sucks at playing music, <laughs> um, which led to the rest of writing the book. So what was it like when you got the news that you're going to be able to make your first graphic novel? Was that something that you were thrilled about and then suddenly realized, oh, no, now I actually have to make it? Or what, what was the feeling like? Um, it kind of felt like when you trip running down the, like walking down the stairs, and then you just have to keep on walking really fast to not completely <laughs> tumble down the stairs. Um, because it actually happened pretty quickly. I was really lucky. Um, mm -hmm. But I also just kept on, like the editor at the time asked me like, oh, are you so excited? And I was like, I'll be excited when it's published because I like, <laughs> didn't want to believe it was like real just in case. I'm still like, what if they just pull them all off the shelves and say, never mind. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I was going to ask about that. Now that it has been out for a couple of weeks, what has the response been like? Have you been able to go to any bookstores and you know be like, oh, this book looks good. Check this out. Or... Yeah, I went. I did, I've done two bookstore events. Mm -hmm. um, my, I mean, everyone around me has been super supportive. My mom actually went and like took selfies with people buying it <laughs> like, with the customers. Um, she's on Instagram now, just like with it in selfies. Um, uh, yeah, the book events were really fun. I, I let one of them turned into being all adults, even though it's a children's event. Um, but they were old enough that I let them do the screaming parts themselves. Um, and then the next one was like all babies who could not care less about the book because they're like three and have no idea what's going on, oh, um, wow. which is fine. I kind of expected it, but it's just really funny when, you know, a little kid is just audibly saying like, I'm bored. I want to leave. Oh, no. um, or like another one was sitting in front of me, like with his dad, making his dad read him another book like during the live reading. <laughs> Um, uh, this okay. is a little bit of a weird question, but last week on the show, we had another creator who also did a book about a skeleton. Total okay. coincidence. Um, but we were talking to him a little bit about his process in terms of how you artistically represent a skeleton. You both have very, very different books, so you're approaching it in different ways. But same sort of thing for you. What was important in terms of having a skeleton, particularly because you don't have a ton to work with there. Like you have a literal skeleton, you have the literal bones, which are sort of set for you. Obviously you're taking a cartoony approach to it, but uh, what, what were your guidelines in terms of creating this character visually? Yeah. Um, I had, so I, this is not my first skeleton character. Okay. Um, I had been working on, you know, that was the, the original comic. expression before this is not my first <laughs> rodeo. It was, this is not my first yeah. skeleton character, but no, anyway, go first. ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so I had, a, I had a skeleton character that I'd, um, been working on the design of, um, a while ago. So I definitely took some elements of what I'd learned from drawing him, um, to drawing Skelenor and then simplified even more, um, just cause she's like fairly cutesy and I knew I was going to be drawing her a lot. So I have like all these sketches of like collar, but like, oh, do I want a collarbone? Do I want any sort of you know, the kind of crevices and holes that are all over a skeleton, like in the pelvis. Um, I do think she ended up looking a little bit more like an alien than a skeleton. <laughs> um, but just like what elements were really needed for like expressiveness and what could I kind of, you know, get a, get rid of with distance or like add when she's closer up. 
Um, uh, what? Oh, go ahead, Pete, please. I was just uh, going to wonder, like, what came first? Uh, your love of music, your love of uh, skeletons or bats. Um, I really love this story. I also really love the friendship between the skeleton and the bat. I was just wondering what kind of uh, passion started this kind of project. Was it a love for music, a love of your music teacher back in the day, or maybe of, uh, you know, bats or skeletons? <laughs> Uh, I definitely love bats and skeletons. I've definitely always wanted to be um, a skilled musician and have never been. Oh, okay. Um, much like Skelenor, um, actually, she's better than me. But like, <laughs> and I like learned piano when I was younger, and then I kind of forgot how to read music, and then like started mm -hmm. writing down when I would like make little songs on the piano and write down my own version of oh, wow. like writing music which was terrible but i can still read it um and i've explained my logic to friends they're like this is ridiculous this, <laughs> this is this is, tar this is terrible um but um i had grew up with a lot of like not very well taking care of instruments like in the house um mm. my mom has an old fiddle like skeletor with a completely shredded bow um and it's missing at this point two of its four strings um oh. but i remember like seeing what i could like screech out on it and being like oh i can do twinkle twinkle little star but of course it's like like really bad <laughs> sounding um so i guess maybe inspired by like me just messing around on like pretty like old moldy accordions and stuff like that <laughs> Well, on a similar question, and this is kind of a perennial question that I ask on the show, and everybody gives a different answer, so I'm always curious, is it's hard to represent music on the comic book page because you can't hear it, right? So you clearly found a way to depict that, found a way to work that into the book. Again, what was important for you in terms of this? How much did you play around with, okay, I could depict music this way versus that way, or was it just sort of a no-brainer and you were good to go? Um, I think for some reason I knew it was going to be glowing, like these ribbons of music kind of flowing around. Um, I guess the motion was the most important thing for me, mm -hmm. of just it zooming around the page with Skelenor or like bouncing around with her um, and trying to make um, the music notes kind of dance around. And like, especially like old sheet music where it's all like handwritten with a quill is like absolutely beautiful. Um, and like i love seeing um everybody's like different ways of like doing visual music um but just like the kind of lilting moving around the page very lightly was my main goal hmm. uh this book is so creative and fun i really like the way the tombstone just kind of opens like a door <laughs> uh how how did you, were you just kind of playing around with different stuff or uh, how did you kind of discover do, that kind of do unique... tombstones do that yeah, because is that true? That's, that's Do you know that's changer. from experience? Like, yeah. um, that is just it's the same shape as a door. So I was like, oh, she'll open it like a door. <laughs> um, a friend asked, like, oh, how does that like work? Like, does she? Is it like a portal or like in my head? There's actually like a ladder she climbs up to get to it, oh. which also doesn't make any sense because you see the inside of her coffin and there's no ladder there. Okay, but cool. definitely have like skeleton lore that is like oh this is just true about skeletons like <laughs> in my head i love that i love the idea i'm always a big fan of having the backstory and having the information but then 
not actually having to use it or explain it in any way, because I think that comes through with the art and the story, right? Like, you know how she got up there. You know she <laughs> climbed the ladder to come out of the tombstone door. But all we get to see is this very funny visual of opening a tombstone like a door, and that's all you need. That's it. Yeah. Like, don't question why she has a xylophone made of many bones. Don't <laughs> ask whose bones there are. Like, if there if there were other skeletons, and skeleton, Skeletor just got rid of them all. Yeah. Oh, man, that, this story takes a dark turn, what do you think? Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> uh, talk about the Bat Friend a little bit. I mean, yeah. they go together in a very spooky Halloween-y way, but again, <laughs> was that just sort of a no-brainer in terms of a bat, or did you play with other Halloween-type animals? Was or did you grow up with a Bat Friend just like Skelenor? Exactly. I did not grow up with a Bat Friend, but I was always a big fan of bats because we had bats in our backyard. Oh, I thought you were going to say Belfry for a second there. (laughs) Uh, We would, like, if you sit in the backyard on summer nights, you could see them kind of flitting around um, backlit by the, like, night sky. Um, But I had, Batima, I think, came in pretty quickly. Um, I think as soon as I realized I couldn't make her name a pun, and it was either going to be Batima or or Patricia. Mm. Um, But... I have a long list of like different kinds of bats she was going to be based off of and drawings like kind of trying to narrow it down but she ended up pretty i think it's just a common pipistrelle um but she looks pretty far from that at this point because she she's so tiny on the page i had to simplify her a lot Uh, since this is getting back to the music a little bit, since you do have the music in the book, uh, is, is that anything that you could see like putting out into the world in any way, like actually making not physical versions of the songs, but actual recordings of the songs to put out there? Uh, I wish I could do that. (laughs) But again, I'm not a a composer myself. So I was very worried about like, somebody actually knows how to do music. They're going to look at this and it's going to be complete nonsense Mm -hmm. uh which most of it is some of the songs are actually based off of real um songs so i think the song that um i would just take the notes off the actual sheet music and like kind of place them in a general order so it is old joe clark kind of played nonsensically Mm -hmm. on the page and the scene where um the kind of training sequence um when Miss Ratsimizva and Donovan are like fiddling at each other. That's um, Orange Blossom Special, which is a really quick fiddle song. Um, but most of the songs in it, unless I had a specific idea, like, oh, I know I want like a really fast fiddle song, um, are not. Like, I would go to um, the specific instrument for inspiration and find sheet music in that, but I wouldn't do, like, at this point, all the songs are all jumbled up. No, uh, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, I really love your art style. Like, how did you kind of get going? And what was the thing that kind of got you hooked on, uh, you know, drawing? Or was there a comic that spoke to you or a certain animated film or something that made you kind of be like, this is what I want to do? Yeah. um, uh, So I really, I like drawing since since forever. Um, But then in fifth grade, there was a kid in my class who had an anime drawing of spirit from oh, wow. uh, from spirit, the, yeah, uh, yeah. what is it? Stalling of the Cimmerian. I almost said Cimmerillion. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very different. Too much yeah. lore in that one. 
that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> but I was like, wow. And I like specifically befriended them because I it was like, I I love this. I've like not really registered like anime or manga before. Um, and then we started drawing this like long winded, like all over the place comic together um, that we kind of passed around the class uh, called The Adventures of Ginger and Peppermint. And <laughs> that's when I was like, I want to be a cartoonist. Oh, man, that's cool. Uh, now, this is not necessarily your department, but I'm curious if you know anything about this. This is a pretty spooky book. Seems perfect for <laughs> Halloween time. Why early August? Why was it released then? Is it like a whole pumpkin spice lattes are out now things? So we're tying it into Stop that. pushing your own agendas, Alvin. <laughs> yeah, I saw you with the, what is that, pumpkin beer? It's uh, Caramel Pumpkin from Southern Tier. Um <laughs> It's time. Sorry, it's uh, we had the oh, plug. <laughs> it's not um, great. I got to be honest. I usually like the pumpkin. This is not the best thing. Anyway, take it away. Um, so I'm not sure the publisher decided that, okay. um, which I was actually all right with because um, it's set in summer. Mm-hmm. So I felt like August was a nice in-between of like, okay, this is actually when the yeah. book is set, but it's coming out right before back to school season. And it feels like maybe they were planning okay we'll we'll catch the back to school kids and then we'll we'll get a second wind come halloween yeah well and i guess not to get into publishing strategy or anything i guess it uh gets ahead of the october glut a little bit so that yeah. when people are putting together lists of like here's some spooky comics to check out for halloween yours is already right there it's right on shelves and it's top of mind for people yeah, hopefully it'll be already then a bestseller and everybody will have it. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. On their displays. Yes, it's fingers crossed. I think that's going to happen. Uh, what's, not to talk about the next thing, but what is next for you? Do you have something else lined up at this point? Or what's what do you want to plug, if anything? Um, I have a picture book pitch that Ooh. has gone nowhere. Uh, so next, <laughs> um, I have, I actually really want to do a... Um, I recently got obsessed with the original Beauty and the Beast, um, oh. which was, you know, novel from 1740, um, which I did not expect to be as insane as it was, but it's all kinds of bullshit happening and fairies, like, killing people. Um, but I really would like to do my own version of that um, or another, like, short graphic novel for kids, some similar length to Skeletor and you know brightly colored and fun cool awesome uh emily congratulations the book is delightful yeah so much fun it is going to be a big hit this halloween thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thank you for having me all right have a good night bye all right there we go once again the book is called skeletor the decomposer it's out in stores everywhere right now from emily etlinger it is uh like i said it really is delightful i think uh Hand it to any kid from six to nine, but also older than that. Per yeah, exactly. Like we're we're children. We're large children, right, Pete? That's right. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it is one of those uh, all ages uh, fun books where you know there's a lot of humor in there. There's a little something for everybody. The art's fantastic. It's a beautiful story. Definitely worth checking out. Awesome. Why don't we bring in our next guest now? There are two of the folks behind Chase and Catch. Uh, a graphic novel, uh, I was about to say collection series, that has its second volume coming out very shortly on August 29th. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Jordan and Andre Lavoie, welcome hey, to the show. Hey, Hello. Hey, guys. 
Uh, very excited to have you here to talk about Chase and Catch. Before we even get to that, I want to take it even broader, even further back, because, Andre, you are the creative director for Saturday Originals, which is the publisher of this. Um, I know this, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway, as if I don't know. What is Saturday Originals? Well, Saturday Originals is really, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a new company. Uh, we, it stems from Saturday Animation Studio. Uh, we've been in business for a long while, and so we created Saturday Originals to really uh, concentrate on uh, the publishing side um, of original uh, original studio-owned IPs. And so, um, hence the name, you know, Saturday. Uh, we're really looking to rekindle and and harness kind of that uh, Saturday morning magic, uh, oh, yeah. uh, like we used to, like from you know the '80s. Um, and bring it to, you know, kids today that, you know, because back in the 80s, you know, what we watched in the morning and how we watched it, you know, influence our, our, our day. A lot of times influence our, our play patterns, things we would uh, talk about with our friends and so on and so forth. So um, that's that's Saturday Originals. Yeah. So cool. you're only allowed to read these comics until 9 a.m. and then after that, no, exactly. No. Well, you know that's a very good point. And one of those things that we they, you know we say uh, around the uh, the studio is you know it's uh, you know hashtag Saturday is every day. So you don't <laughs> have to read the comic only on Saturdays. <laughs> uh, well, cool, Justin. Why don't we turn it to you then to talk about Chase and Catch? So, how did you get involved in this? And what is your take on what is important when you're crafting something? that is supposed to channel a Saturday morning original, but in comic book form. So uh, they basically contacted me and said, hey, we have this thing we're developing. Would you like to write it? And it sounded cool. So I did. Uh, <laughs> nice. which is super exciting. Um, yeah, you know, actually getting the, the Saturday morning kind of vibe was uh, actually really interesting to me because I'm from that kind of golden age of uh, Saturday morning things. I know... I don't know if in Canada they had this sort of thing, but I do remember there were a few years when I was a kid where they would have this yearly, these are the new cartoons we're going to do, like preview thing that was on at night. And you were, you know, this was before we had the scrolling television channel that would tell you when stuff was on. So you're like, is it time for the preview? Like it was just below getting the Sears catalog with the toy stuff in it, the wish book <laughs> that you got at the, uh, the end of the year. But it was a pretty exciting day for me. So... Yeah, I just tried to, going off what they kind of had as a concept, then I was trying to figure out what kind of made Saturday morning stuff work, or at least the Saturday morning stuff that I did, which was, you know, so you're trying to end up for kind of self-contained stories with, you know, sort of continuing gags and cool characters that were instantly sort of recognizable and hopefully memorable, uh, cool vehicles, cool tech that kind of stuff. Cause like, you know, I really like stuff like mask and transformers. Oh yeah. Uh, even in humanoids, there's none of that in there, but that's <laughs> always one that like popped out into my brain. So yeah. So I was just trying to get that, uh, that sort of alchemy, right. Which it was a lot of fun to write. So hopefully I got it, you know, reasonably close to what we were looking for. Uh, yes. Well, so before we jump over there, I do want to mention before I forget, we, and this is very much a conversational swerve, but we have, and this is not a joke, a professional chef who is a friend of the show, and every week on the show, he either curates or creates a cocktail to go with the show, um, and this week he created a chase and catch cocktail, the chase and catch, 
um, which Thanks. I'm going to tr try to read it here, but it has blueberries, lime juice, simple syrup, mezcal, silver tequila, uh, Aperol, and then use some fancy salt. He used Himalayan pig salt. Uh, so there you go for something that is a that nice. That actually sounds awesome. quite good. Yeah, it sounds he delicious. Is he is a legit chef working at a Michelin star restaurant in New Orleans, and I can't I, believe uh, he does this every week. So I have a I have a series running at Webtoons called Urban Animal, and a couple of years ago, uh, the well, to me it seems like a couple of years ago. This was pre-COVID, so it was probably 2018, <laughs> which is somehow five years ago now. Uh, they had the party for it, and they made custom drinks for a bunch of uh, a bunch of things so we had bourbon animal as our, uh, uh, as our uh -huh. that was actually uh -huh. also pretty tasty so no complaints <laughs> so far i'm two for two in the uh projects that i've worked on that have custom drinks so. all right uh well there you go i unfortunately did not make one of these this week because i'd already gotten my terrible uh, caramel <laughs> pumpkin beer but i'll send it to your guys way uh, if you want to try it out and he always makes a good drink so i'm excited yeah, he, to does. he also makes amazing food Yes. Uh, so back to the actual chase and catch, though, because we haven't talked about the concept of the thing. Um, this could go to either of you. Is this the sort of thing where, Andre, you came to Justin and were like, here's the here's the kind of thing we want to do, and then he shaped it up? Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that uh, we've been doing for the past few years at Saturday is, you know, developing uh, multiple IPs. One of them is Chase and Catch. And so when I came to pitch it to Justin, uh, it would, you know, a lot of work was already on the table, you know, character designs and uh, uh, props, the world, you know, story, and, you know, the general concept of it also uh, was uh, very fleshed out. So, you know, when I pitched it to Justin, it was like, okay, this is gonna be a buddy cop action, you know, in a futuristic cyber world. Uh, in you know roughly 2085, so it's you know kind of not too far, but far future. Uh, these guys they uh, work to uh, resolve you know crimes uh, that we call ultra crimes because they deal with you know uh, awesome villains that we call you know of course ultra criminals, and um, it's basically uh, our lethal weapon for kids. Okay, so. <laughs> lethal weapons yeah. not for kids i yeah. i gotta go talk to my children really and, quick oh, exactly oh right so uh, every time I, I i need to specify that it's like yeah or lethal weapon right for kids sure uh <laughs> i can i can go with that and andre did have to talk me out of the uh kenzo <laughs> thinking about committing suicide yeah i was cool. gonna say uh that yeah. starts pretty dark as i recall yeah, yeah. exactly so. Um, but you know, and but we get what we 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 mean by that, right? It's the banter, it's the relationship between you know Riggs and America and stuff like so. In the same way, inst instantly, you kind of get where you know Kenzo, Chase, and Catch kind of come from, and their um, their contrast, you know, relationship. And so, because Chase is also pretty much our our Doogie Howser kind of wonder kid. He's sixteen. He met it into the force, you know, because he was so smart and because of you know uh, what he went through in his in his youth and stuff like that and 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 catch is a prototype robot right so he's brand new you know first you know uh first of his kind you know stuff like that and and yeah so it was really about you know uh, we want to do an action you know a comic uh, uh high speed pursuits uh cool vehicles over the top you know naming convention you know as you can see like uh, when, when you you start digging into the ip i can see all the names are are, are very much inspired by 80s cartoons you know so it's kind of an anchored in a little bit of a 
you know, semi-realistic word, but very doesn't take itself seriously. It's, you know, just like the shows that we used to to watch, like TNMT and, and and you know, Batman animated series and stuff like that. Okay. So, and then and then yeah, uh, Justin did his did his his work. Uh, Justin, from a writing perspective. So uh, I know you know this, and I know from knowing your work that you know this definitely, but comics, stories, et cetera, the way they are now, they're very different than they were back in the 80s. Like looking back at those 80s cartoons, they're broader. The emotion is more, hey, we're doing 19 minutes of action. And then at the end, like we got very sad about this thing happened, but then we all left. And now here's a PSA. So how do you make sure you're getting that sense of those 80s cartoons while still at the same time making it feel like something that is a modern comic book? You know, it's tricky. It's, uh, it's a matter of kind of calibrating, right? For that kind of stuff. So I've given this some thought in regards to, like, this is going to seem like a tangent, but I swear to God it's related. <laughs> so Stranger Things, right, is mm-hmm. not... Uh, people think they're like, oh, it's like an 80s pastiche and all that kind of stuff. And it is. But what, it, what Stranger Things is good at is making you feel the way that those things in the 80s made you feel when you felt them the first time, which is a deeply unwieldy sentence. Um, and so it's not just a matter of like the core of that is not like the synth wave or like the clothes or the fashions or all that kind of stuff. It's, it's that sort of feel. So with this, we were kind of looking at, I got to get it to the emotional level that makes sense for the thing, but I didn't want to, basically you're trying to smooth off some of the rough stuff of what eighties kind of animated Saturday animation stuff did. You know, you're trying to, keep what made it unique, but add to it what we've kind of learned and kind of gotten audience audience expectations to have in the last. I, my brain wants to say 20 years. I, I intellectually realized that the <laughs> 80s were at least 34 years ago, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I refuse to accept that in my heart it's 20 years ago. So, Yeah, I, I hear that and appreciate that. When you're saying that, I was just thinking, oh, so you want to sell toys because that's what all those uh, cartoons basically did. Was... Oh, they sure were. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that kind of, you know, I think that actually weirdly kind of lends itself to the comic book aesthetic and doing that kind of thing. Because if you want to sell toys, they got to look cool, right? Oh, like yeah. they got to, you know, they got to look cool first. Hopefully they do something cool. That'll be deeply disappointing when you get them out of the package. <laughs> like it does in the commercial, but like that won't happen if they make toys of this stuff. Like I know Andre will guarantee it. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that actually leads, lends itself to comics actually fairly well, because there is that visual aspect to them that other stuff sort of doesn't have and you know because it's comics and you're not bound by physics or anything else or the you know the difficulties of actually injection molded plastic we can kind of kind of do what we want so they actually did a really good job i was like yeah i look at all that stuff and i'm like yeah honestly 45 year old me thinks it looks pretty cool so i think kid me would have been all about it so would have been my jam yeah, definitely. Uh, Andre, on your end, to, to continue this part of the conversation, you do keep referring to this as IP. Is this the sort of thing where, from the company perspective, I know you have four, I think you're calling them different worlds or something like that. <clears throat> Are you looking at it as like, okay, we're trying to go for this thing is for this demographic, we're aiming for this. 
the comics is one extension of that, and we're looking to create video games and movies and toys and all of these other things. Is that Completely. is that what you're starting with, kind of? Yeah, for sure. Like, although we're, we're, we're in love with the comic medium, you know, we are building these, uh, these stories to, to, to be able to do create games and be able to create toys, you know, as, as we were saying, like, yeah, a lot of these uh, cartoons and, and even comics that we were reading back in the day, they were built to sell toys. But at the same time, it did feed a whole lot into our, our connect you know, uh, collective imagination and even our play patterns. And it would feed our day, you know, like kind of playing with our friends and, uh, you know, kind of incarnating a, a character uh, from our best series. And stuff. so, yes, exactly. Uh, we are, uh, we, we do aim at, you know, creating uh, video games and, and, and toys. That's why we're spending a lot of time on these designs, making sure that they are uh, very cool looking um, and they have uh, potential, even the, the, the way we create the world. Um, to lends itself in you know different uh, video game you know mechanics and, and stuff like that. So yes, very much, very much. Not to put you on the spot here too much, but this is something that is just a perennial discussion, not just in comics, though, particularly in comics, but in entertainment in general, is you've got like Justin working on, also not to put Justin on the spot, but you've got Justin fleshing out these characters and working on these characters. If you're extending it into these other areas, how involved are these creators, both in terms of the day-to-day -day of these extensions, but also financially? Is that something you're thinking about? um yeah I, I mean we're 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 very much starting right now and in, in, in discussion with multiple uh collaborators from you know different uh industries of course and you know just from a publisher standpoint we learned a lot about just uh you know digital publishing and um you know the the budgets required for all of this and so of course we're not we're, we're not seeing ourselves as you know being alone in that adventure uh we are talking with again with with people who have a lot of experience in in, in different industries um but we do want to uh stay very much involved in everything uh from a creative aspect uh making sure that you know the vision for all these worlds is is you know co coherent uh, throughout uh, all the different mediums and not just you know send our child away without his lunchbox <laughs> fair way of putting it <laughs> and ties into the whole saturday morning thing there exactly kind of except for the lunchbox that would be more of a weekday thing anyway um Yeah, but the, Jay... you know, the pictures on it, you know, was yeah very exactly much inspired there by you go Saturday. okay <laughs> we worked it out uh you got the first volume in the real view mirror i read it it's great it's super fun Yeah, that's uh, but really we do awesome. have the second volume coming up pretty quickly so justin What can you tease about that in these new adventures for Chase and Catch? Uh, well, in the second volume, you'll uh, get to see more of Vanish, the evil uh, criminal organization, and you'll get hints that there might be a greater plan unfolding that Kenzo is going to have to figure out if, you know, he can survive long enough to figure it out. Awesome. Well, uh, I just want to say, reading it, I, uh, you know, the kid in me was sold. I would love to see uh, now a cartoon or, or some action figures. It, it, you guys did a great job. The start was real easy to kind of get on board with the concept, and it grows right into action and fun. So uh, congratulations. It's a blast to read. Thank you. Yeah, I Thank uh, you. I realized I wrote it, so, but I actually also like it. So I was like, oh, this is fun, which... You know, not everything works. So when something comes out and you're like, yeah, no complaints. This is cool. Like, yeah, I, 
I'll be happy when people read this and hopefully enjoy it. So definitely. Uh, Justin, I did want to ask you just because you brought up urban animal, we've been discussing webtoon a lot the past couple of weeks on the show. Um, I, the thing, the point that I keep bringing up here, because we spend a lot of time talking about like Marvel and DC and big superhero comics is my impression is webtoon is exponentially bigger than all of that. Is that correct? Would you say? It is. Um, so I, well, I'll take urban animal for an example. We get, uh, so we peaked in terms of our readership in like season three. Um, but even now, we get fifty or sixty thousand readers a week. Unique oh, readers wow. a week. We have five hundred thousand subs, and we have thirty-two million views. Um, so yeah, compared to like regular comics, where you're lucky to crack a hundred k, like it's just mm-hmm. it's just a different scale. And it's actually it was was and is fascinating when you get into it. So for instance, Webstoons has fast pass, which basically people just pay a nominal amount, I think it's like a buck, to read early. You know, we're a couple of weeks ahead, so they can read three or four episodes ahead. And man, the number of people that read, that paid something they could read for free was actually kind of astonishing. Like, wow. it just, the the amount they're paying is much smaller, but like, I've put out a lot of print comics that didn't have that many people buy the print copy mm-hmm. for something they could get for free. So yeah, the scale is just different. Like, uh, it's it's one of these things whenever people I'm going to try to keep this rant brief because it could go on for a very long time but <laughs> people and this includes me have a tendency to talk about comics but what they mean is direct market American comics which I love I, I love a good comic shop but that is probably the smallest of the what would really be called comics operating in America much less the world like it's you get stuff like webtoons which is just Urban Animal is basically a mid-tier book. Like, we're successful enough that, like, we make money and we keep going. You know, we've gotten five seasons out of it. But things like Lore Olympus get hundreds of times what we get. You're looking at millions of people reading it every week. And I did, you know, it's not a direct comparison. uh, And I don't think I'm credited in it, which is funny. But I, I spent several years writing the comics that are in the Call of Duty mobile game. (laughs) <laughs> which is another which is another like scale again of like how many people reading so when you get to the actual comics form you get stuff like dave pilkey's dog man like last print run was seven million copies and like that's for real comics like you get stuff like diary of a wimpy kid that's like maybe comics but like no dog man's for kids mm-hmm. but it's comics and it has a massive audience so yeah, there's just all these sort of other markets that float around that, like, people are really in the comics. They're just not making it into comic shops for whatever reason, which is kind of frustrating to me, who mostly works in that venue. It's like, you know, come on, guys, you'll like what we got. I promise. Probably. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're still working on Jason Catch, at least, leans towards a little bit more of a traditional comic, even though you guys are releasing it digitally, just because of the page format, I think, like the way that it looks. But you, you've you done books that we love. We love, like, Luther Strode. The, those series were fantastic. Is that something that you'd ever want to get back to? Like, 
doing image comics or is it just the basic idea of oh, oh you can put something up yeah. on webtoon and get exponentially more why not no time? i i still I was, I was talking to andre earlier today i still love the smell of new comics too much when you get them oh, straight yeah. from the printer like you know what i mean no I love doing that. I like doing webtoon stuff, and I'm I, I have a terminal inability to stay in my lane, which is why you simultaneously have written things like Luther Strode and Chase and Catch, which are very different in some very <laughs> meaningful ways. Uh, but no, I I I'm still doing print comics, and I would like to do more specifically at Image. I've I've actually got some pitches that I need to do for them. It's just. Man, it's a tough road, right? Like, I'm a writer, so I can work on a bunch of stuff at once, uh, and my burden's there. But whenever I take stuff to Image in particular, like, I, I'm i not a big enough deal, generally, to warrant an advance. <laughs> which means I got to get an art team who's willing to take it on faith that we could make some money some days. And man, you got to be real sure to, mm. like, get some, a whole art team to invest it. Because that's basically all they're going to be able to do. You know? Yeah. And, it, and it just makes it hard. That's why... I've done, I have 18 creator-owned things, uh, uh-huh. one of which is not released, um, but it's sitting in the vault somewhere, so hopefully it'll be released at some point. And, you know, of those four are truly, like, image-central, what people think of as image. Like, we own everything, we, you know, we pay for it, you know. So we got four out of 18. This is giving an idea of, like, wow. it's worth it to go to other things, and then... Of those four, two of them make money and two have made zero dollars. Like, oh, wow. so you know, you're, you're looking at like a when you do that, and honestly, I think a 50 50 hit rate is actually probably batting way above average. So it's just, it's the reality is that market, you know what I mean? And, it, and it's frustrating to me because I know the readers are out there. Um, and yeah. so it's, it's, you know, trying to find ways to build that audience and bring them to what you're, what you're selling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, speaking of which, uh, Andre, back to you then, in terms of getting folks to read Chase and Catch, where can they check it out? Where can they check yeah, out the first so one and stay tuned for the second one? Yeah, so issue one is out. It's available on uh, Amazon, uh, Kindle Store, and Apple Books. Uh, first issue is free, so you can give it yeah. a go. And uh, it's a 42, 42-page uh, book. Um, and then same for issue two, coming out on the 29th uh same platforms and then once we're uh pretty confident that we're uh we're done with production we'll probably do something for our print version awesome it's definitely worth getting it's a fun read so much yeah, cool it's do. really cool characters and hell of a store yeah uh thank you guys so much for coming on we appreciate it congrats on everything and uh, looking forward to the second volume yeah yeah thanks for having us thank you so right. much alex Beat. all right take care all right there we go once again the book is called chase and catch you can check it out from saturday originals wherever books are sold online specifically Plus and amazon are the first issue is free man yeah there you go can't get cheaper than that you can't unless that's, they're paying you i guess that's how you get addicted man the first one's free oh my god do you snort them because i usually grind up my comics <laughs> and then i snort them that's oh cool you're so me. highfalutin man yeah <laughs> <I'm> highfalutin <laughs> The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, 
creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. All right, folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience question. Woo! I got, I got a question. Wait, hold on. And if you've got a question, I don't know. I've got Pete, a question. What do I do? If you're not Pete, who's already on the show, just drop it in the comments over oh, I should go to the Facebook comments. or YouTube or Twitch. Not on X, even though it's my favorite site. I love it. It's really just doing some really good work lately. Um, <laughs> but you can't drop questions over there, even though we're live. But Pete, what is your question? What's going on? I, I just want to check in with you about your unbelievable Batman Lego uh, piece that okay. you have next to you there that we were uh-huh. uh, you were casually pointing at when bats came up in conversation. How are you oh, feeling gosh, about I- it, buddy? Are you still uh, you know proud of your work? Are you over it at this point? I mean, I went down like a, a TikTok hole of just like. Uh, there, there are people who have made that particular one and have done some really interesting lighting stuff with it. Like, mm. you know. Oh, is that what we're getting at here? Is that the end result? Is you want me to put some lighting in it? Because no, I'm just wondering. Like, I've just seen a lot of people online like geeking out over it, and I was mm. just wondering: Are you like on to the next Lego obsession? Or are you still? No, uh... no. This is my thing. Like I explained this at the beginning, but I always wanted to make one of those enormous Lego sets. Mm-hmm. And I had originally set my sights on, like, I would get a Millennium Falcon. Or right, get that's a Death the classic. Star or something like that. Like, something huge. But th- one of the problems is they're huge. They're enormous. Like, where do you put them? So many so, bags. To, so know. expensive. Also, like, Legos are prohibitively expensive. But then I saw this, and I love Batman Returns, and also it fits on my shelf, and it's a showpiece on my shelf that I could just put on there, and it's not the Millennium Falcon, like, stick it out, and my kids keep banging their heads into it and stuff, and then I was like, all right, this is the one, uh, gotta get it. Alex, I hate to interrupt, but I feel like you misheard uh, my question. Like, as somebody who is uh, a collector or maybe has an, a, an addiction or something like that, like, when I want something and I'm like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to do this thing, as soon as I have it and it's done, I don't really get to enjoy it because now I'm just like, what's the next thing I'm going to oh, get? Oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm good. This you're good. That itch. You're just one that and done. That itch. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, I thought I was worried about that a little bit. And I yeah. still, I like Legos and I like looking at the sets. But I've actually also on TikTok, there's seen people doing like builds of the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, that's cool. I, I'm i good. I don't need to spend wow. the four or $500. That's impressive right because for me, it opens up a whole door and then it's like, I'm in this world. And then I'm like, oh my God, what have yeah. I done? This is great. This is very satisfying. It's a very cool set. Impressive. Great question. Thank you so much, Pete. We got a couple from actual (laughs) people. No insult to you. Uh, This is from Frederica Rosa. Are you guys excited for Ahsoka? And what's something from the Star Wars comics you want to see animated or live action? So, Pete, we're taping right now, but they changed the premiere time of Ahsoka. I don't know if you know this. Wait. 
Are you serious? I'm missing it? No, you're not missing it right now, but these shows have been coming out on at 3 a.m. like as streaming shows they changed it so that tonight tuesday night as we're taping the first two episodes are going to be out at 9 p.m eastern okay and then all right we subsequent wrap episodes we gotta wrap this up <laughs> subsequent episodes are going to come out at 9 p.m i am that is the thing that i am most excited for with ahsoka at this point I love that, that I don't have to wake up at three and watch a TV show. Yeah, you were really into waking up into at three, it, which is... That's my job is entertainment journalism. So like, I got to watch it so I can, because also, so I have to wake up at three, watch the show, make breakfast for the kids, put the lunches together and everything. And then I have my writers being like, what are we going to write about this? I just watched it at the luxurious time of 8 a.m. or whatever it is. <laughs> But I got to watch it early. So now I could just, uh, I guess, not watch it either because we're doing our show. <laughs> so there you go. But I'll figure it out. I, I am very excited. Um, I hope it's going to be great. Uh, the the preview teaser or whatever that was was really, I mean, anytime you have, a, you know, two lightsabers, you know, that's oh, it. When, um, they, when you're like, oh, that guy just has one lightsaber. And then he pulls yeah. out a second one. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Pete, can I say that I've seen the first two episodes? What? Oh my god, I hate you, man. Can <laughs> you, you give us anything? anything about it, though, right? Can you? No, give... I can say whatever I want, but you don't want me to say stuff, right? Well, you could give us a thumbs up or thumbs down or something. Oh, sure. I didn't like it. What? You're kidding? Like I'm sorry. No, I'm not kidding. Oh no. Yeah. Here, here's oh. here's here's the thing. I've talked to other people. Oh, no. who did love it. Oh, just okay. to give some fra- just to give some framing here, I watched the first season of Rebels and a episode here and there of Clone Wars, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's just mm-hmm. something about the animation style that I just cannot get with. I know people love the shows; that's great, but oh like gosh. they just don't work for me. People I've talked to who religiously watch those shows were so excited to see this because this is a direct continuation, particularly of Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, it's like picking up that with live action characters. So if you care about those characters, that's great. As somebody who doesn't necessarily, I didn't find much to care about. Like it looked nice and everybody's fine. And Jedi's and, and, and lightsabers. Like what? Uh, I mean, yes, I like lightsaber fights. I'm a, I'm a human being. I, have I was going to like, what the fuck, man? Turn in here, your nerd card. Here's my biggest problem with the show. My biggest problem with the show which was driving me insane the entire time I was watching it, is it has this rhythm of everybody pauses between each other's lines. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm going back and watching the animated shows because it's Dave Filoni who did the anime shows directing it, where, like, Mm -hmm. it is pauses long enough that somebody will say something, they'll cut to the other person, and it's a long enough pause that it sounds like maybe they're saying their line in their head. And then they're saying it out loud, like that's. But that seems like an editing issue, where it's like one hundred percent. Take out those seconds, like why wouldn't you cut that out? It's the pace of it was driving me bonkers the entire time. Because like I want to like it; it looks nice. Ray Stevenson, you know, may he rest in peace. Rules in the show; he's a great villain, but like it's it's so slow it's so drawn out well what was worried is that pause you just took there was driving me crazy that's what you know i'm what saying I mean? there you go that was an example but sometimes it adds drama you know <laughs> not if it's every line <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway boy. you'll see what you think i'm sure you'll love it 
Yeah. And lots of people. Do I, 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 there hasn't been much that I haven't loved when it's come to that lately. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, and the second part of the question was, what's something for the Star Wars comics you want to see animated or live action? Big thing for me, I want to see Triple uh, Zero and... Oh my God, who's the other one? Who's the other evil droid? It's Triple Zero is the evil C-3PO. And then the R2, I'm forgetting. We've already got Black Crescenton or whatever his name is. But those are the two ones. I want to see the Dick C-3PO and the Dick R2. Anything Greg Pak uh, does, I would love to see animated or live action. His run and... And, and those uh, Marvel uh, Star Wars books have been phenomenal. Yeah, I would love to see. He wrote the Darth Vader character, right? Yeah. If you ever see Darth Vader in live action, that would be... That would oh, that would be sick. Mind. Or like a Death Star. Like if they put a Death Star in something, that would be so cool. Oh, this is from Obvious Soul Art Show. Pete, would you watch a movie of the Punisher into the Punisher-verse if it had all the Punishers, including Frank and Castle? Great well, question. hey, I'm your soul art. Thanks for picking a fight with me. I appreciate that. Super nice of you. Um, yeah, no, uh, you lose me if you put Frankencastle in something. I mean, maybe I could just watch up until a certain point, and then when they mention Frankencastle, I can uh, turn it off and walk away uh, because it's uh, it's a deal breaker. Even if it finally brought together on screen uh, Thomas Jane. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren, and well, I guess I mean we just talked about this. Not Ray Stevenson, but uh, oh, uh, Frank Ber- Frank Bernthal, John Bernthal, John Bernthal. Come yeah, on, man! He changed his first name to Frank because he loves Frank. That would be a weird movie. I don't like that idea. Uh, all right, I I think that's actually it for your audience questions. I usually go up at the end of that sentence. Questions! All Woo! right, yeah, there we go. There yeah. it is. So why don't we move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All righty. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a uh, to online comics at midtowncomics.com. Uh, you know, if you had 25 bucks, you get some comics. So why not? Or, ooh, we got some, oh, no, it's just you saying, say me. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity to uh, win some cash and spend on some comics. So, you know, that way it's like they're free, you know? There you go. Like Chase and Catch. Exactly. Free, the first issue. So there you go. Plug, plug, plug. Ooh, Straight Bullet is here. Straight Bullies? Straight Bullet, you want to do trivia? Mmm, fun. I bet he does. Let's stay silent, though. Yeah, we'll we'll keep that dramatic pause going. You know what I mean? (laughs) Let's really feel that, you know? Yeah. Drive you crazy. Oh, David said I'll do it. We missed it between me saying it. All right, David. David is doing trivia is what I'm going to type here. All right, take it away, Pete. All right, David. All right, here we go. Today's trip is on topical comic news and the small nod to the legend, Clarence Avant. R.I.P. to the Godfather. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. What co-creator is coming back to do one more Blade run? Is it A. Mark Wolfman, B. James Howlett, or C. Marie Howell. 
Mm. I will mention, if you're listening to our new Comic Book Club news podcast, which you can get in its own dedicated Comic Book Club news feed, you would know the answer to that because we reported about it on the podcast. Oh, wow. See, I don't listen, so I'm redoing <laughs> things we've already talked about. No, 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 that's fine. I, I like it. It's a good plug. We got A from David, which is correct. Marv correct. Wolfman. Marv Wolfman coming back to Tomb of Dracula. Yeah, very excited. It's awesome that a uh, guy with the name Marv Wolfman mm-hmm. started uh, a Dracula book. I mean, it just makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, there's nothing else that's made more sense in my life. Yeah, exactly. Okay, question number two. JT4's new book is a Christmas-themed horror comic called Blank. Is it A, The Deviant, B, Out of Coal, So It's Murder Time, or C, Whoopi Goldberg? Oh, interesting. You know, we actually reported on that in the Comic Book Club News podcast. Oh, man. Which, We've once again, you could check out in its own dedicated Comic Book Club News. Now I'm feeling five very uncreative. No, no, no. This is great. A little five-minute news blast in your ears every single morning, every day of the week. There's a new show. Five minutes. Hey. You guys got to get better news. You know what I mean? Like, if I can find this, then you guys got to do a better <laughs> job. More hidden news. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. You were correct. It is a... I'm detecting a pattern here, but I'm going to keep going. Okay, what DC comic that comes out in September recasts a classic team-up? Hopefully they didn't cover this on that bullshit news show. Is it A, Batman and Robin, B, I'm getting too old for this shit, or C, Danny Glover? Did Shout you out to Lethal Weapon. Two? Yeah, I was going to say, did you write those last two before we talked to the... No, but I knew that joke was coming, so I didn't make that joke. We were talking about mm, Lethal Weapon earlier. I'm glad mm. I didn't make that joke. Yeah, I was worried. That was a real primo joke, man. Oh, man. And we didn't actually report on that on Comic Book Club News. That's yes. a big scoop. I scooped you. For Comic Book Club News' direct competitor, Comic Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get your news from those assholes. Come come to the live show. That's where the real news is. Uh, David says A. But he wants it to be C, which makes sense. You are correct, sir. $25 is yours, David. Thank you so much for playing. You are tonight's big winner. Yeah, so there you go. David, shoot us an email, and we will get you a gift card to Midtown Comics for 25 bucks. What was your secret movie, Pete? I'm talking about the 1985 juggernaut, The Color Purple. Oh, okay. There we go. Oh, yeah. Now, as we all know, comics are cool. They're coming out all the time. Pete, (laughs) what are you looking forward to that is coming out this week, either for already in stores from DC or coming out tomorrow from a lot of other publishers? Well, uh, Penguin number one. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk to you about that. And then Ice Cream Man number 36. Ooh, both great choices. Oh, thank you, Alex. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, lots of stuff I'm excited about. Very curious to check out from Marvel, both the Captain America finale and the Immortal Thor. Those are two big titles that Ooh, are coming yeah. out. But uh, last issue of Dark Knights of Steel from DC Comics. Yeah, that's a title that we've really liked a lot. So curious to check that out. Uh, And also, I will give a sneak uh, big up shout out to Jean Grey, number one from Marvel by the legendary Louise Simonson. 
you can check out. Wow. All right. We're going to get into it. Ooh. And that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Emily Etlinger for coming on to talk about Skelenor, the decomposer. Also, Justin yeah. Jordan and Andre Lavoy. Talk about Chase and Catch and everything else going on at Saturday Originals. Next week on the show, Tom Shield. The troll. Tom Scioli is going to be here to talk about I Am Stan, his comic book biography of Stan nice. Lee. Also, Scott Brian Wilson will return with Max <laughs> Fuchs to talk about their new book, Kill More. Certainly oh, yeah. Bunch of things to plug. Here's a big one to plug Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. We just launched this. This is going to be a podcast. Just launched. All, just new, launched. Pod. new pod. New pod. New pod. New pod. Who this? Uh, it is all about Scott Pilgrim, as you can figure out. You can check it out in its own dedicated feeds. Also, Comic Book Club News, as we mentioned. Sons of our DC podcast. Check that out for regular news updates. And eventually, we'll talk about Blue Beetle. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, doing news updates there. Riverdale After Dark, final episode tomorrow. Oh, my God. Check it out. Oh, my Gotta God. You're not ready. You're, You're not, not ready. ready. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all What are we going to do after? I don't know. Die. Subscribe on Apple, Android, <laughs> Spotify, or the app of your choice. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Take care of yourself out there. We need you. Shout out to Kimmy Gatewood.